Hey, and thanks for tuning in to the Father's House podcast. The Father's House exists to see people discover life in Jesus. We hope that today's message brings you fresh life and renewed hope as you listen. Enjoy. Um, okay, I'm going to tell you about a Christmas tradition. I love traditions. I'm kind of a, a tradition dude. And uh, there's a tradition that is relatively new to my family, but um, I would highly recommend it if you have highly competitive siblings in your family. Uh, it's one that we just started a couple years ago, and I honestly look forward to this more so than probably anything else around Christmas time. And you can judge me afterwards and when I tell you. That's fine. But it's really, really awesome. So uh, every Christmas morning, my wife and I grew up around the corner from each other, so our families still live in the same houses, and we get to see both sets of family on Christmas morning. And and uh, we, we go visit one, and then we go over to my folks. And uh, when we go to my folks, my mom makes this amazing monkey bread, like with the, yeah, you know, with the caramel coming over the top, or caramel, however you say it. And uh, it's really, really good. Um, but then directly after breakfast, uh, we play this game with a couple of dice and a saran-wrapped ball. I don't know if you've ever seen this before, but basically my mom buys everything from spices to lottery tickets, whatever, okay? Uh, <laughs> Sticks some, some $5 bills in there and all kinds of cool prizes. And then she just wraps this giant ball of saran wrap. And every layer has another prize in it. And basically, me, 35 years old, my 30-year-old sister and my 28-year-old sister, uh, we basically roll dice. And as you hit doubles, you, have to, uh, you, you get to start rolling. And until the next person rolls doubles, uh, you can continue to unroll that saran wrap ball and get whatever prizes fall out in the midst of it. So it takes a good 10 minutes. And it's awesome. Like It, it turns into a brawl in my parents' kitchen. And I'm not just saying this. This is not preacher talk. My kids have literally been forced to move out of the room because they've been hit with like elbows and chairs and flying objects. I mean, we are an incredibly competitive bunch. So if you're looking for something fun to do with your family, check out the saran wrap ball. It'll be awesome. That's my favorite Christmas tradition. All right. Uh, and, And by the way, I know that a lot of you are here today because this is your Christmas tradition. Okay. And coming to church is what, you know, a lot of people do on Christmas and Easter. And if uh, you're joining us today, and this is uh, one of the two times a year that you, you, uh, you come to church, welcome. It is an honor to have you. I would be lying if I didn't tell you this, or, or if, I, if I didn't tell you that we really would love for you to come back. Uh, thank you for coming twice a year. But my hope today is that over the next couple of moments, and maybe even during worship, uh, you felt such a welcoming presence of God, that you felt his spirit, and that this place wouldn't just be somewhere you'd visit a couple times a year, but it truly would become home. And I can tell you, we've got a great family around here. As my pastor used to say, we keep all the mean ones in the back, and we put all the nice ones in the chairs, and uh, we've, we've got a good bunch. So we'd love for you to join us. Um, however, we are not having church next week. <gasps> I know, shocker that we wouldn't do church on a Sunday, uh, but we figured that we take the last week of every year off. As we mentioned, a lot of work for our dream team. We take the last weekend of the year off to thank them and give them the opportunity to spend time with their families, and uh, then we come back in hot on January 6th. So if you come here next Sunday, we will not be here. The rapture did not happen. Fear not. You're doing just fine. Um, <laughs> But, uh, but you can join us on January 6th, and we'll be starting an amazing series in the new year that I'm really excited about called Life on Purpose. And we're going to talk about how to discover our God-given purpose and how to live out that God-given purpose. So I think it'll help you. Uh, if you'd love to come back and join us, we'd love to have you. All right, let's get back to Christmas. So many of us have been here before, right? We've been to these Christmas services and uh, we, we sort of expect, I know the expectation of me as a pastor, right? Like, uh, this is the part where I put on the robe and we act out the nativity and we go through all the motions of Christmas and, you know, we read the Christmas story. But truth be told, I think if we were to hand out this microphone uh, all across this room, 
Uh, most of us could probably tell the Christmas story to the room today. Like you could tell me about the fact that uh, this teenage girl named Mary uh, one day was interrupted by an angel and he said, hey, I know you're betrothed and you're going to get married to this guy named Joseph, but I'm going to get you pregnant before that and it's going to get really, really weird between you and your soon-to-be husband because he's going to, it's the first time this has ever happened, like, you know, immaculate conception, but just tell him it's from me. It'll all work out fine and uh, you're going to have a baby and you're going to name him Jesus because he's going to save everybody from their sins. You, you know that part of the story and You'd probably be able to tell us about the fact that when Mary was in her third trimester, a census was issued, and they went back to Bethlehem, and they couldn't find any room in the inn, so in a very unsanitary method, Jesus was born in a stable, you know, in a manger, and for all of you who have judged my wife and I for home birth, just get that in your spirit for a moment, okay? That's very unsanitary. Um, you could probably tell us about the, uh, the, the, the shepherds that were watching their flocks by night and how the angels interrupted them and they were singing Hosanna and the wise guys that brought gifts to Jesus. And what were the three gifts? Come on, call them out. Gold, frankincense. Yeah, you know all this stuff, right? Like, so I'm not going to tell you the story today because you know the story. Like, we, I think we all know the story of what took place. But I think if we handed out this same microphone all across the room, and we asked everybody to answer this question, we'd probably come up with a myriad of different answers. Yeah, we know how Jesus came, but do we know why Jesus came? Why did he show up in the form of a baby and live 33 years on this planet among us? Why did Jesus come? I think some might answer like, well, he, sh he showed up because humanity was hopeless and, and they needed a savior. Uh, some might answer, well, he, he came so that he could die and give his life on a cross for us. As my father-in-law always says, and I love this line, he says, well, without Christmas, there'd be no Easter. And that, that's true. Uh, still some in the room would, would, might just say, I have no idea. I, I'm new to this whole church thing. I'm, I'm new to God. I don't know why, why Jesus showed up. Um, or if you're my kids uh, and I asked them this question, knowing I was going to ask you, I said, hey, girls, why, why did Jesus come? And my oldest daughter responsible, loves Jesus, reads her Bible. She said, well, Jesus came because he had to die on a cross for our sins so that we could be saved. I'm like, good job. Then I looked at my six-year-old who we're still wondering about, and I said, uh, hey, why did Jesus come? And she looked at me, she goes, dad, who's the queen of heaven? I'm like, <laughs> like, are you looking for a job? Like, what's, what's, what's the deal? So pray for her. Um, but, but why did Jesus come? Yeah, all of those statements are true, minus the Queen of Heaven one for sure. But um, yeah, he, he came to bring hope and he, he came to give his life. But I think that we could wrap up the entirety of the Christmas story in the four words that we've been talking about for the last few weeks as a church and the theme of this morning. The reason Jesus came is so that he could let there be light. It was all about light entering the world. Those four words sum up the entire Christmas story. In fact, I think that those four words don't just sum up the Christmas story. They sum up the entirety of the Bible. Yes, there is a major theme of love. And yes, it's all about Jesus and it points to Jesus. But the, the overarching theme of the Bible is this. There was a dark world and light came in the form of God. And he brought light to everything that was dark before any of us even showed up in this place. It's all about light entering darkness. We've been talking about this for the last few weeks as a church and how the first time something is mentioned in the Bible, it's significant and it sets precedent and pattern for the remainder of Scripture. And if you go all the way back to the beginning of the Bible and you look at the first thing that God said over creation, it said that the earth was formless and it was void and deep darkness covered the waters. But when God looked into darkness, here's what he said. 
He said, let there be light. When he sees darkness, when he sees a void, when he sees empty space, not just in the form of an earth that hasn't been created yet, but in the lives of humanity, when he sees darkness, his declaration over darkness is, let there be light. And in the beginning, as he said it, light showed up out of nowhere. Stars and the sun and the moon and then he created the heavens and the earth and you know, he created the mountains and the oceans and the rivers and all the life that exists therein. And then on the sixth day, he created us. He created humanity. And he said, I'm going to breathe into them and I'm going I'm to give them life and form them out of the dust of the ground. And again, a story that many of us are familiar with. But with creation, with this thing called life, came the right to choose. The right to choose whether or not we were going to live in the light that God provided for us, or if we were going to slink back into the shadows as humanity typically does. And even though God said, let there be light, you read all throughout the Old Testament in the Bible, and what do you see? You see humanity slinking back to the shadows, wars, stiff-arming gods, serving idols, and going about their business, forgetting that light was even an option for them choosing to live in the darkness. Yet God still had, and God still has, these four words reserved for humanity in his heart. He wanted there to be light. Let there be light. And, and so when God looked upon this creation that chose darkness instead of light, he said, okay, well, if they're not willing to come to me, then I will make my way to them. I will leave heaven and I will come to earth in the form of light, in the form of a human, and I will bring what I designed for them all along. I will bring light with me. And this is how the Apostle John writes it in, in, in the book of John, chapter 1. He says, in the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God and the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. And verse 14 says, so the word became human, became a baby in a manger and he made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness and we have seen his glory, the glory of the father's one and only son. That, my friends, is the Christmas story. That Jesus, God himself in human flesh, left heaven and came to earth and became light for humanity. This is more than just a baby in a manger. This is more than just some traditions that we celebrate. This is the entrance of light itself into darkness, saying you do not have to live in the shadows any longer. If you refuse to come to me, then guess what? I love you so much that I will come to you and I will interrupt whatever darkness you find yourself in. That is the true meaning of Christmas. And, and this is where, honestly, humanity should have celebrated, right? Like light left heaven and it came to earth. And this is like where everybody's supposed to go, woo! And the Christian starts saying, I want to be in the light as you are in the light. Thank you, DC Talk. Like, cheesy Christian joke for those of you who've been around the kingdom for a while. The rest of you are like, that song's stupid. I know. It's, we all loved it back in the day. They used to rap and then they started singing other songs. It was great. But like, this is where humanity is supposed to celebrate. Like, Jesus is here and everything should have been made okay. But as it does, history repeated itself. And Jesus himself says, just a few verses later in John chapter 3, verse 19, 
God's light, yeah, I came into the world, but people loved the darkness more than the light. What a sad statement. People loved the darkness more than the light. Honestly, not a sad, just a sad statement, but kind of an absurd statement. Like if light was laying out in front of us, if God himself was standing here, how would we choose darkness over light? That seems like an absolutely ridiculous choice. Why would anybody love the darkness? Like, I don't know about you, and we've turned the lights on and off enough here today, so I won't do this, but I don't like the darkness. Like, I'm a grown man, and I'm still afraid of the dark. Let's like, if I'm being honest, okay? Like, have you ever had that moment, even as an adult, where it's pitch black outside, and your garbage can is overflowing in the house, and you have to make a decision? Am I going to face what's outside and take this trash out, or I'm going to just keep this till the morning? And you're laughing because you've done this before, okay? And what do you do when your spouse or, you know, your parents, they say, hey, you got to take out the trash. I don't care that it's 8 o'clock and it's pitch black outside. What do you do? You grab the garbage can or the garbage bag and you walk out the front door and you suddenly just start to. (laughs) (laughs) Suddenly you're like, you know, you're an Olympian and you're running back and forth to just empty the trash can. Like I live in a house that's next to an alleyway and I feel like I have to say goodbye to my family every time I take out the trash, right? I'm like, okay, so I don't see you guys. I love you, you know. And it's dark outside. Or have you ever been camping in the middle of the night and you have to go to the bathroom and you know that every serial killer on the planet is waiting behind those trees? You're like, this is it. This is how I go. Like, it's been real. Nobody likes the dark, right? Or how many, how many parents are in the room? Any parents? Good. Okay. Put your hands down. If you've ever had this moment as a parent, it's absolutely terrifying. Middle of the night, pitch black in your room, and you're little child decides to make their way into your bedroom and you didn't hear them get out of bed and then they like grab your leg or they like tap you and you immediately shoot out of bed like what true story (laughs) sorry babe I'm putting you on blast here uh my wife and I a couple years ago we were watching the, the the movie Planet of the Apes and uh uh, apparently, she's terrified of monkeys. I don't know. But um, we go to bed that night, and uh, as we're in bed, my, uh, my oldest daughter comes into the room in the middle of the night, and none of us heard her come in, and she grabs my wife's leg in the middle of the night, and Robin shoots up out of bed, and this is what comes out of her mouth. She's like, hey, it's a monkey! Like, that's... <laughs> my daughter started screaming. It was awesome. I'm literally in bed just laughing. Like, <laughs> The darkness does that to you, right? Like, the darkness breeds fear. It makes you anxious. Something about the darkness that makes you assume the worst instead of hope for the best and draw wrong conclusions and see life incorrectly. Like, that's what living in the darkness does to us. So if that's what darkness does, then why on earth would Jesus say people loved the darkness more than the light? They loved confusion more than clarity. They loved sickness more than healing. They loved fear more than peace. Like, how would humanity love those things? That makes no sense to me. But if you dive into this scripture a little bit further and you look at the definition of this word love when Jesus said they love the darkness, it it actually carries with it a meaning that I think many of us might be able to say, oh, I understand now. 
It doesn't mean necessarily to have an affection for, but it means to be familiar with, to accept as reality, to tolerate. Humanity didn't love the darkness, but they accepted it. They were familiar with it. They tolerated darkness in their life. And while I don't think anybody in this room would say, I love being afraid, I love fear, I love anxiety, I love confusion, none of us love those things. I think many of us here today would say, I'm familiar with those feelings. I'm familiar with what it means to, to be depressed, to be anxious, to be concerned, to be confused, to have no clarity about the future. Especially this season, I was getting text message after text message last night from people who were telling me about kids or family members that just yesterday were in such deep depression, no less than three text messages, such deep depression yesterday in this season that they had thoughts of taking their own life. It's darkness, it's confusion, it's the ploy of the enemy to keep you wrapped up in that stuff so that you cannot see the light. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're all intimately familiar with that. But the beauty is we don't have to be. You can actually face all of those things that bring confusion, that bring fear, and yet still have peace and still have clarity and still have some illumination through Jesus. I've told our church this many times before, but my wife and I, we used to oversee a ministry at our church called Life Change. And Life Change was a three-day event where we would take people, we called it your hurts, hang-ups, and habits from the past. And we would take three days and we would teach on subjects like identity and, and forgiveness and sexuality and the cross and all this stuff. And we would, we would talk to people who have been living a certain way for a really long period of time. And for the first time in life, they would discover that there was freedom from their anxiety and they could forgive those that had hurt them, and there was a new identity to, available to them in Jesus. And it never ceased to amaze me that these people in their 50s, 60s, and 70s who'd been carrying stuff for years, decades, for the first time, you could see almost like their eyes open up, and they discovered, oh my gosh, I don't have to live that way any longer. This pattern doesn't have to define my life. My past does not have to be my future. That freedom is available to me. Well, ultimately, listen, that is what the Christmas story is, is about. That is why Jesus came to the planet to say, hey, although you might be living in darkness, it is not a mandate for you. It is an option. And you, in fact, do have an option to live in the light if you so choose. It's available to you. We don't have to live in darkness. Jesus said it like this in, in, in John chapter 8. He said, Wait for it. There it is. I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness. You can, but you don't have to. Because you will have the light that leads to life. You will have the light that leads to life. There is a light that leads to life. Life in the Greek, it's this word zoe, and it means Fullness. It means joy. It means blessing. It's the kind of life that every single person in this room desperately longs for. A life of fulfillment. A life of purpose. It's not a life that's necessarily void of pain, but it's a life that brings purpose to your pain. It's not a life that is void of, of hardship, but it's a life where God promises to be with you as your very present help even in times of need. 
It's a life where Emmanuel, the very name of God that he gave himself that means God with us, promises to walk through every sickness and every chapter and every problem on every mountaintop and in every valley. He promises to be with you. That's the kind of life that's available to us. And he said there's something that leads to that kind of life. It's a light. It's a light that leads, meaning we must follow it. See, Jesus said it's an option for you. You can choose to live in darkness or you can choose to live in the light. And the prerequisite, the condition that he gave was this. If you follow me, then you don't have to live in darkness any longer. Not if you attend a church, because there's people who attend church that still live in the darkness. Not if you, you know, have a Jesus fish on the back of your car and you listen to Caleb. A, listen to better music. B, you can still live in the darkness. (laughs) Not just because you sound like a Christian or look like a Christian, but no, if I follow Jesus, I don't have to live in darkness. Following requires a divorcing of darkness and leaving behind of the old identity and making a conscious decision every single day to follow him. Let me say it like this. Just as God said at the beginning, hey, let there be light. And light broke into the darkness of humanity. So you have to let, that is to permit light into your life. You have to let there be light in your life. And the promise of scripture, not just some archaic book that has promises that were written to people far before us, but promises that are alive and active today, is if you follow Jesus You do not have to live in darkness, but you can live in the light. And not just any light, but a light that leads to the kind of life that every single one of us so desperately wants. So today, and the band's going to come as we conclude here in just a second, but uh, you guys can come. Yeah, that was the invitation. Okay, good. (laughs) Get your leopard print back up here. All right. But but as as the... uh, As the band comes and we conclude, here's the deal. I want to make an invitation to you in the room this morning. And I I want to make the same invitation that Jesus made in this scripture. Not an invitation to say a prayer. Because honestly, the prayer itself really doesn't change anything. Those are are words and they might come in an emotional moment. But not just to sing a song or even attend a church. Although I'd love for you to come back. But to make a decision this morning to follow Jesus. (laughs) Every day of your life. And listen, if this has been a dark season for you, even humanity right now points to the fact that this is, in fact, the darkest season of the year. We've just entered the winter solstice, and there's, there's less sunlight right now than at any other time during the year. Isn't it interesting that Jesus showed up in the season where there was such little light? And he said, no, I'm the light of the world, and I'm going to come, and I'm going to illuminate. Even the planet's going to speak to my entrance. If you're here today and you have been living in an unnecessarily long season of darkness, you don't have to live there any longer. If this season brings pain and not peace to you, if this season is is one of heaviness and not joy, light is available to you this morning. And I'm gonna issue you this invitation to follow Jesus this morning and to make a decision today that won't just affect today, but will affect every other day from here on out until you see him face to face in heaven. I'm going to follow Jesus. So I'm asking everybody in the room to just bow your heads real quick. And 
I'm gonna say a very simple prayer. I don't wanna put anybody on the spot. And as I pray this, if you're far from God this morning and you would say, man, I've been living in darkness and I'm tired of it. I've been living with all the stuff that you're talking about that's negative and I want that Zoe blessed life. Would you just agree with me as I pray this? And you can say it under your breath and you can just agree in your spirit. And uh, I, I, wanna, I wanna pray this life-changing prayer with you and get you started on your journey well. Jesus, for every person in this room today that is far from you, I thank you that it is not difficult to come close. The promise of your word is that if we draw near to you, that you will draw near to us. For those that are living in darkness, God, we thank you that your scripture says, a light has come, and it's a light that leads to life. And so today, for those praying this prayer, I say this on their behalf, I make a decision to follow you today. Not just to pray a prayer, not just to attend a church, but God, to, to truly, every day, take another step in your direction. I pray that from this moment forward, Jesus, these, these folks making a decision that the word of God would come alive to them. The Holy Spirit would enter their hearts right now and he would begin to draw them unto, unto you. That every day they'd have a hunger to be in your word and to pray and when the weekends come around, they'd have a hunger to be in your house and Jesus, that this wouldn't be just a moment in time, but this would be a transformational day for them. And we thank you in advance for that day when we stand before you in heaven. We look you in the eye and you say to us, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy set before you. We give our lives to you fresh today. In Jesus' name. Hey, thanks for taking the time to listen to the Father's House podcast. We hope it helped you wherever you're at in your journey. And listen, we want to pray with you if you're going through something right now that's difficult. You can go to our website, tfh.church, and click on the prayer and praise link and tell us how to join you in prayer. Until next time, be blessed.